0: Thank you for joining IAB There.
1: Hi everyone, and welcome to IAB There, our daily live stream show. I'm Zoe Soon, Vice President of the Experience Center here at IAB, where we focus on emerging platforms and consumer behavior to help the industry understand and reach the new media consumer. Our game is innovation at scale. Today, I'm gonna be talking to Brendan Monaghan, Chief Executive Officer of Metaphone. Megaphone provides podcast hosting technologies for publishers and audience targeting data and measurement for brand advertisers. Their breakthrough podcast technology for publishers and advertisers makes them an industry innovator in the podcast space. Let's bring Brendan on. Welcome, Brendan. Hi, Zoe. Nice to see you. Nice to see you too. Thanks for joining us today. Happy to do it. Um, So maybe do you want to tell us a little bit more about Megaphone and um, your role in the industry?
0: Yeah, so Megaphone launched in 2015, and where we really sit in the space is we focus on really two key customers. One, as you said, as the publishers, we work with them to create innovative technologies for hosting, distribution, monetizing, and, and measuring their podcasts, really anything they need to, to run that business. And then the other side of the equation, we work with advertisers to help reach um, premium, sorry, premium audiences who we work with on the advertising side. So advertisers come to us and look to uh, purchase inventory against um, some of the fantastic shows that we work with from a premium inventory standpoint based on an audience and a targeting perspective, which I know we're going to talk more about later
1: Great. Um, but let's set the scene for those who are a little bit, who maybe you've been living under a rock, but you know, podcasts are really having uh being the talk of the town there, you know, they've been an emerging media for a while that you could argue they're emerged, right? We're marching towards that $1 billion mark. Uh, this year at the Podcast Upfront, we, had, we saw a lot of traditional media companies making their debut with us, New York Times, Viacom, Sony. Uh, and we're also seeing some incumbent brands following the D2C trend um, of investing in podcast advertising. Why, why now? Why has um, podcasts become such a popular medium?
0: Yeah, I think it's a lot of things, right? I mean, I think obviously technology continues to evolve by carrying the smartphone in our pocket. We've just made the distribution of that content so much easier to come by. I think another reason, of course, is the business has matured, right? As as more advertisers have become aware of the stickiness and engagement of the audience, um, there's been an enthusiasm like we haven't seen before in terms of engaging with podcasts. And of course. Um, Podcast creators and publishers are excited to work with those advertisers and other monetization models to help um, drive revenue and create more and richer content. So it's one of these ecosystems that a lot of it works together, the combination of technology, um, the interest from consumers, the ad dollars, and then ultimately um, the publishers creating just great content that people can consume in very narrow niches or areas of interest that, that
1: appeal to them. Great answer. And I think you hear a lot in this industry about the importance of integrated buys. Yeah. Let's drill down into that a little bit more. What is the the specific additional incremental value brands are seeing from adding podcasts to their mix?
0: Yeah, I mean I think it's it's just it's a time where people are are looking, you know, a lot of folks would tell you that podcasting is the last greenfield medium out there. It's it's one of the last, you know, to be really focused on and discover medium so there's a lot of opportunity. We know the audiences are incredibly engaged. They develop a really strong personal rapport um, with the hosts of the shows. And, and, and as we've seen in the past, particularly in the direct consumer market, we've seen a lot of engagement um, by listeners with advertisers. And I think advertisers on the brand side are, have become a lot more attuned to that. And as a result, see this as a really compelling opportunity to get engaged with a um, you know, a smart demographic, they tend to skew, obviously, heavy in terms of technology adoption. Um, just behavior in general is, is what they're looking for in terms of who they're trying to reach, they tend to skew younger, well-educated, all these types of demographics that lo- they're looking to try and reach. And um, you add all that together and it makes for a really compelling opportunity for advertisers um, to start really investing in this medium and adding it to their media mix. And so you know, we're seeing that we've seen that for the past several years, where folks maybe put a toe into the water and now really have understood not just from a from a return on investment perspective, but frankly, even from a personal perspective, how much podcasting need to become a part of their mix, and as a result, um, are much more comfortable investing in it as a medium to uh, put brand dollars against.
1: Yeah, and I think. A lot of consumers are turning to smart speakers to reduce screen time. So mm-hmm. they're finding that they're getting those unreachables, those cord cutters who are almost avoiding ads.
0: Yeah, it's no, no question. I mean, and I think that, that goes in line with what we see in other, other forms of media, right? We've got this evolution towards on demand, um, getting content when you want it, how you want it. And um, that is very much akin to what we're seeing in the podcasting space, um, much like we saw in the TV world where it wasn't on demand for so long and then became such. And now we've got streaming services and other things that are really appealing to folks. That same generation is looking for the, the type of experience in their, their audio content. So you see that whether that's fictional long form podcasts or short, short news blurbs um, in, a, in a smart speaker environment, um, people want what they want, kind of when they want it. And that's, as we all know, contributing to the growth of the space.
1: Sure, uh, I think interestingly during the pandemic, one of the appeals of the of podcast is that it was such an agile, flexible medium. The, the, the creative was able to be um, revisited easily, uh, production costs were low, uh, mm. and I think brand safety was a, a big draw as well. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we, we've seen that, um, particularly with our clientele, advertisers really excited about the kinds of relationships they've been able to form with their listeners, and the you know experimentation they can have they can they can decide midweek I'm just going to put up a five ten minute um, message podcast if you will about what what happened in the news this week on top of their regularly scheduled show that that we know people really um, although they can listen to whenever they want they grow really excited about some of those shows and when they release um, and I think advertisers are just keen to to engage in that in that relationship.
1: Uh, let's talk a little bit about. The breadth of content that's out there, it has to be overwhelming for brands. I think there um, I don't even want to co- quote the number of podcasts that are out there because it's so easy. Um, and obviously one of the advantages of this is that there is super niche content for highly t- targeted audiences that are really passionate about whatever show they're listening to. Mm. Uh, I imagine that can be quite overwhelming for brands to navigate and work out how to scale their buys across so many different shows. Um, can you speak to a little bit about that challenge?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that was one of the challenges we were looking to solve 2017 when we launched our Megaphone targeted marketplace. It's a mouthful, we call it MTM for short. Um, and what MTM does is it allows for brand advertisers to reach um, significant audience at scale in a really efficient manner. So in the past, if you wanted to reach a large scale audience and you were buying through host you might have to buy hundreds of shows. Well, we know agencies and, and clients aren't eager to go down that path, um, particularly as this industry scales. And so what the the Megaphone Targeted Marketplace allows for us to do is, the the mix is interesting for an advertiser. They can buy specific shows um, as they want to. They wanna be affiliated with um, a Wall Street Journal or uh, a Westwood One show. Um, They should buy that directly from that, that publisher. But then where we come into play is we work with all of our shows Um, that opt in their excess inventory into a marketplace so in the digital world it's it's nothing new from an ad network perspective um but it allows advertisers in a way that they've never been able to do before um and that's by its scale um and that that creates another issue right which we've seen in podcasting which is the the host reads are so bespoke and so unique to that particular program right but on the flip and we know that that works but on the other side of the spectrum um it's not appealing to just repurpose radio ads or something like that. So what we've done in Megaphone, we actually have a, a creative services team that actually thinks about um, the audio creative that is, is, is built on behalf of a brand advertiser. So it's trying to find that happy medium between the scaling across tons of shows, but also that bespoke tone, we call it announcer red, that makes that message feel much more like a podcast experience, mm-hmm. um, but allows that advertiser to buy hundreds or in some cases, thousands of shows, depending on what type of audience they're trying to reach. So if they want to reach 18 to 35 year old coffee drinkers, um, they may not be able to get those on one or five or 50 or 100 shows, um, but they can come to Megaphone and partner with some of the great shows we work, work with, and reach that audience segment exactly who they're trying to reach um, at the time they download the, the message.
1: Right. And we know programmatic works. It's like that similar media art where you know there was such an emphasis on direct. And then once you crack automation, it's such a nice complement.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, I think I think the space has a lot of room to run on the programmatic side, everything from easing the bind patterns to actually the true programmatic technology and how folks are buying advertising in that manner. Um, So we've still got some room to run there, but it's an exciting time as we kind of explore that with advertisers and with our publishers who are excited to engage with advertisers that way, because for them, obviously it's about maximizing fill on all of their shows and generating as much revenue as possible for, for their business.
1: Yeah. I think the low cost of production for podcast podcast, ads means that you can have so many different creative um that you dynamically insert as required so i think the
0: yeah so i mean it's, it's so true i mean we've worked with some companies on a b testing different types of creative to see what's more appealing to to listeners we work with a company called veritonic who does that um and incorporate that into mtm buys and it really allows for a great experience for the advertiser they can see what's effective where where, um, where listeners in essence are leaning in, if you will, and can really engage with those spots and what works and what doesn't. And I think it's, you know, some of these principles are things that are, are not unique to the broader digital world, but in the audio space just haven't been done before because the medium has been hard to measure or harder to, to gauge that interaction. So we're doing things now like, you know, which are table stakes in the digital space, attribution and brand lift studies. Where advertisers can get a real feel for the impact that this medium is having. And I think that's another reason why you're seeing more and more dollars flow to the space, because in the past there were certain encumbrances, if you will, to the medium um, that that weren't that prevented advertisers from completely getting comfortable. And that that has evolved to the point now where in the case of our advertisers, they become really comfortable with the tools and solutions as well as the technology that's available to them. And they're really jumping in with both feet.
1: Oh, that's great to hear, because um, it obviously works because it's so popular and people keep coming back to it. But being able to articulate exactly why, or compare it apples to apples, as you say, I think simple things like dashboards and and metrics that people can report on across across their spend is really really important. So, yeah, no doubt.
0: Um,
1: any advice to brands who are looking to start integrating podcasts into their mix that they've never done it before and they're just don't know where to start what would your advice yeah i mean
0: i think i think for for brands in general it's really about understanding who you're trying to reach um when and where and, and what what kind of demographics and psychographics those people have and i think working obviously with their agency or if they they don't work with an agency but to try and figure out how podcasting is going to slide into that mix we know obviously fantastic demographics we know they're technology savvy um we know these listeners engage and they support the products um, that are the products and services, I should say, that are talked about um, on podcast. So it's really about what we've found is folks have engaged, um, like any other medium, on a, on a small level, trying to test and make sure things are are reaching their goals and their ROI goals. And what we've seen is that as they've, as I said earlier, dipped their toe in, they've gained a lot more understanding and comfort with the space to the point now where, you know, folks are coming back considerably um or should I say frequently in terms of those buys. So um, for me, it's about getting some exposure, understanding what's appealing, what works in the space. Um, and frankly, there's also an opportunity to buy against, you know, shows that, are, that align with the brand itself. So buying that host read for that host that really aligns with, with that publisher and then supplementing it with an audience buy like something like an MTM really allows them to fill out and get the depth and breadth of that buy In addition to being aligned with particular shows
1: right because the host rate is it's the way that native ads are priced against uh uh, general inventory you're getting you're getting depth and
0: yeah and we think there's a place for both i mean obviously we focus on the on the audience side um but we think there's a a mix and and that's how we try and come together and complement with our publishing partners because for them they, they often have a strong direct sales force. We want to complement that and come alongside and help drive additional revenue to the space. And frankly, for advertisers, um, give them access to a much broader pool and in some cases, a very narrow focus that they couldn't reach if they were just going out to one show or a couple shows. Sometimes that pool has to start really, really big. If you're trying to get that 18 to 35-year-old female coffee drinker, that funnel can get narrow pretty fast. And so having access to... A lot of shows like we work with um, with significant scale helps provide the scale they need.
1: Right, and the host sort of acts like a mini influencer because the listener trusts the host and so they hear the host um, talking about an advertiser's product or service and then they kind of attribute trust to to that that service.
0: Yeah, no doubt.
1: Uh, You mentioned you had a creative studio. Have you ever worked with any uh, brands on like this sonic branding, because I hear a lot about people's visual brand, um, but what does something like a Nike switch sound like? Exactly. Um, you know, It's, it's that, that instant recognition, it's become so iconic, uh, but I don't know what their sound equivalent is. Do you, do you think brands are gonna start needing to invest in that soon?
0: I do. And I think they already have to some degree and, and our team really helps them think through that because to your point, um, it's really about what kind of message are you trying to portray? Because in some ways, you're reaching a completely new audience, right? I mean, it's not the first time they're hearing ads, but really in this new medium where, frankly, the inventory is really bespoke. And, you know, it's an it's a medium where it's literally inside your ears and it has to be an engaging experience, not one that's jarring. Um, and that, of course, is reflective of the brand sensibility. So um, our folks on that team work really closely with brands to help Um, not just choose the tone, but the right words, the voice, the voice talent that goes into that kind of an advertising and really making that experience pleasant for the listener. Because as we know, um, in podcasting, fortunately, they're not bombarded with a ton of ads, which data shows that actually podcasts has a lower ad load than TV or radio. And that makes for a really pleasant experience, but you don't want to take that for granted and, Present some kind of jarring ad experience, so the brands paying attention to that. I think is something we're continuing to see, um, and thinking a lot about how they create a, a pleasant, compelling, but also informative um, ad
1: experience. Yeah, I read somewhere that the amount of time that you have to capture a listener's attention is so is so much more reduced than you do if you have a visual medium. Probably. Right
0: yeah i mean i think that's so true um and obviously like all things audio you you sometimes have to paint that visual picture with sound um and and finding the right words or even the right voice and tone um makes a huge difference and certainly what our advertisers have come to appreciate about um how we work with them to craft things
1: right um thinking about what's happening right now you're seeing a lot of uh you know, platforms buying shows, so I mean, Spotify's buying DC Comics or the Michelle Obama show, um, New York Times bought serial. Do you, do you think that we're moving towards that moment, that model where it's more like a, a channel play, as opposed to a, a smaller publisher play? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, two?
0: I mean, I mean, I think there's going to be room for both. Um, you know, and I think up and down, you know, we, we tend to focus on the enterprise and the professional level um, publisher and producer. Um, but even within those categories, there's some really, really big shows and there's some very niche targeted shows. Um, and so I think there's gonna be an opportunity for both. I mean, and that's of course the beauty of this medium. Sometimes the hard part is discovery. Um, you know, as you as you can think about, obviously one thing I like to talk to the publishers about is, is monetization and audience, right? And sometimes, um, sometimes revenue is actually easier to come by than audience and how you think about building that audience. Um, and so I think that's, I think that that does present challenge for smaller publishers to figure out how to break through. Um, but we've seen once they do break through the loyalty and commitment and, and the reoccurrence of that listenership and listeners and podcasting are incredibly loyal. And so um, I think that there's room for both. Um, I think it's exciting too when you start to see the breadth and depth of these shows expand when you start to see, you mentioned, you know, um, Marvel and others getting into this space and you you, you see long form content stuff that's actually in some cases produced with the idea of eventually maybe making it to television um, where that has proven to be an IP model that's cheaper for some studios to go by is to try and test from an audio perspective. Um, oh, that's interesting. You know, and so I think that's, you know, we're only starting to see that a bit, but it's but it's emerging and, Um, it's exciting to think about the kinds of contents being produced. Um, it's like taking that audio book experience to a a whole nother level, um, and make it a serialized experience to say nothing of the the value of the ongoing discussions, the political gap fests, those shows of the world that just engage listeners on a consistent week by week basis. So, um, I think there's room for, for all the above. but but audience development is is a key component of that and something we think a lot about in terms of how we try and help publishers try and grow their audience because um, that's part of the mix too in addition to revenue. One
1: hundred percent. You touched on earlier discoverability, which is is getting better in podcasts, but I feel like interestingly enough, I think word of mouth is still the yeah. most the the most common way people find out about great podcasts that they should be listening to. Yeah. Um, do you, how, how do you find what, what podcasts to listen to? Or do you think this is kind of getting, is there some, some way it's getting better?
0: You know, I, I think there's a, there's some different ways. I mean, I think discovery is no doubt part of the model that, that needs attention. I think it's exciting. You know, we've seen long, for a long time Apple um, and their charts and how effective those have been. I think what Spotify is doing in terms of recommending podcasts based on listening behavior, et cetera, I think that's compelling. Um, so I think there's a lot of opportunity for, um, you know, and, and this goes back to what we've seen in, in existing audience development habits, which is advertise where someone's listening or appear on someone else's show um, for an audience you're trying to get. So you see a lot of that kind of cross pollination between shows and between audiences. So to your point, I think it's really, it goes back to, you know, in podcasting maybe maybe more so than any other medium it's being where your audience is and trying to get their attention um and it certainly doesn't hurt to have another host or another show provide some kind of level of endorsement or even you know add inventory to help you um, promote your your show but um but it's 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 challenging and and it's not one that's easily solvable but one that I think a lot of people are thinking a lot about.
1: That's great advice because I you hear a lot in especially in in our industry about uh how to help brands have good messaging have good reach uh what you don't hear a lot about is the the content creators and how how they're kind of reaching audiences i know megaphone does a little bit of work with with that side of the fence too
0: yeah i mean i think it's interesting you know we work with a client um called locked on sports right they're they're a sports network that really grew. They're really a fun story. And they've been really thoughtful about creating shows for almost every team in, in any given major sports league. And you can imagine there also from a network perspective, the opportunity to drive audience back and forth. That Team A is playing Team B this week, and you you cross-promote on both of their shows. Um, and just finding a way, and that and the same can be true for technology shows or or, um, or politics, or sports, um, you know, all these different genres, um, there's a lot of opportunity to kind of cross-pollinate. And I think that's what you see too in some of the networks that are being created where they've got like-minded shows, like-minded content, um, and there's an ability to kind of help build uh, a cross-pollinization of audience for each other. And I think that's exciting too, because obviously that present prevent, sorry presents more scale and also probably, or uh, in my experience, definitely provides more revenue opportunities for shows that that can provide that kind of scale back to average. So that's another way I think about it, and some of these networks and what they're doing and how they're building on it. It's been fun to see.
1: Great. Well, it's been so nice to chat with you, Brendan. Um Where can people find you if they want to find out more about megaphone?
0: Yeah, so, so we're we're at megaphone.fm. Um, we're always eager to talk to folks about you know the publishing side or the advertising side, how we can work best with them. Um, you know, it's an exciting time, and we're having a lot of fun working with both sides of the equation um, to bring you know more dollars into the space, and, a, and a, ultimately a great listener experience for for listeners. So that's part of what we do, and um, yeah, it's been great talking to you, and excited to to continue the conversation.
1: Yeah, well, hopefully see you soon. Thanks, Brendan. Thanks, Eric. Bye bye. Okay. Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, IAB There is a production of the Interactive Advertising Bureau. Our show today was produced by Connor Healing, Joe Ounce, John Ward, and Carrie Villanueva. I'm Zoe Soon. Thanks for watching.